Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Just the two of us again. Flying solo. The lone wolves. The pack of lone wolves. I'm just trying new stuff here today. (laughs) Yeah. Wolverines. Mm. Yep. In Colorado. Blows my mind. Yeah, where'd you think it was again? Michigan. Right. And all the the mountain ranges. (laughs) Yeah, I just (laughs) thought I hadn't been far enough north in Michigan before. Despite growing up an hour south of it. Uh, I saw a little bit of the old Red Dawn Mm. again the other night. How'd you stop? Uh, It ended. Oh, okay. (laughs) I saw the end. Yeah. Man, it's a good movie. I saw from like Powers Booth on. Okay. When he entered the picture. Yeah. Which, I mean, like if you think about it, he didn't need to be there, but his introduction was great. It was wonderful. I think he played a vital role. You do? Sure. I think they could have done fine without him. He's a little creepy with the young ladies, though. Yeah, with for Leah sure. Thompson. He was a sicko. Yeah, he got what he deserved. <laughs> <laughs> Still haven't seen the remake. No need. Nope. So, Chuck. Yes. I have another question about something you've seen. Have you ever seen the Great Wall of China? Uh, not in person. Well, let me ask you something else. Have you ever seen the Ten Thousand Li Long Wall? I don't know what you speak. That's the Great Wall of China. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, also called the Long Wall of 10,000 Li. That's another way to put it. L-I, and that is a, a unit of measurement in China, apparently. Uh, it's about one click. Yeah. No, two. Two clicks? Two clicks. It says so, in here one kilometer, no? <clears throat> Didn't it click two, Oh, kilometer? yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> two Li is being is equivalent to one kilometer. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I did misheard you. Yeah. Oh, you did? One click, two Li. Man, this thing, the wheels are falling off already. We're like <laughs> That's a t-shirt. <laughs> right. Uh, the Western uh, Hemisphere is generally uh, the folks who say the Great Wall of China. Right. And so if it's the 10,000 Li Long Wall and two Li is one click, then that means that it's the 5,000 kilometer long wall is what they would call it in China. And that's actually way off. Yeah. It, there was a very long time that people thought that the Great Wall was maybe between 2,500 kilometers to 6,700 kilometers, I believe, was the high end. Somewhere in there. and um, All over the map, really. Yeah. And finally, at one point in 2007, China said, you know what? We're going to take this seriously after nearly 2,000 years. Yeah. We are going to go measure this bag. Yeah. Who's got some rope? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily, by then, GPS had uh, been developed, and they used that a lot. But they did. They they did a modern survey of the Great Wall, and they found that it was not a 5,000-kilometer-long mi- wall. No. They found, Chuck, how long was it? Over 13,000 miles, over 21,000 clicks. Yeah. That's a lot of clicks. That is a very long wall. And it depends on who you ask. Like, that is the ultimate length of the entire wall if you take into account every bit of construction phase that was ever done to it. Yeah, which we'll get into, but that generally means pre-Ming Dynasty and post-Ming Dynasty. Right. Pre-Ming was about 7,700 roughly miles uh, and in really bad shape. Apparently, the pre-Ming sections only are about 8% uh, whole. Yeah, well, I mean, some of them were were built back in 200 BCE. A long time. Yeah. 
They weren't like what you think of as the wall, as we'll see. Uh, and I, thought, I found this interesting. In the Ming section, or post-Ming section, uh, 5,000 out of the 5,499 miles, um, 223 miles were trenches, so not a wall at all. That's like a reverse wall. And about 1,400, a little less, were natural barriers. Right, like they just took advantage of ridges. Yeah, or rivers, or, you know, really steep oh, really? things. Yeah. I didn't know about the river thing. So, uh, pretty interesting. At its widest, it is 30 feet. At its highest, it is 26 feet. And it goes through some, uh, rough terrain. And we should mention, stick around through this one, because the, uh, wonderful Kristen Conger from Stuff Mom Never Told You mm-hmm. has walked the Great Wall. Not the whole thing. <laughs> right. A very small portion. She of didn't it. walk all twenty thousand <laughs> kilometers of it. No, but she's. Uh, we're going to bring her at the end, uh, and she said, "I'm no expert." She said, "But I can tell you what it's like to be there." Right. And I said, "That's all we need." Yeah. So we're going to bring in Conger here. Right at the end. So it was kind of surprising to everybody that um, the Great Wall is thirteen thousand miles long. It's way longer yeah. than anybody ever thought. I'm it sure they're like, "Woo!" Right. Um, but that's not, it, it's not like one unbroken wall. Even when it was all solid, even if it were all solid, yes. it wouldn't be one unbroken wall. As a matter of fact, the territory that it spans is about 220,000 kilometers. Yeah. I put the emphasis on the wrong, 220,000 <laughs> kilometers long, right? Right. And the wall is a bunch of series of overlapping walls and, and embattlements and apparently rivers. And the reason that no one knew how long the wall actually was is because for hundreds of years, China kind of didn't like its wall. Yeah. It looked at it as a kind of a, a relic of a backwards feudal era and that it, it had a lot to be ashamed of. Yeah. There's, in fact, this one article I sent from the Smithsonian to you uh, said that one of the great endangered, uh, what makes it endangered today, which it is, yeah, um, is what they call a paucity of scholarship. There is not one single Chinese academic on the planet. Right. Or any anyone on the planet. Who specializes in the Great Wall of China. And the whole planet. Hard to believe. It really is. And the author of this article, Brick Larmer, Larmer, one of those two. Brock, um, Brock Landers? It <laughs> points out <laughs> that... Um, that's really surprising. Yeah. Um, because this is a very old wall. It's one of the seven new seven wonders. Right. Um, you can see it from outer space, clear as day. No. Nope. From the <laughs> from the moon, you can see the thing. False. Um, and it just it deserves scholarship. But it really it wasn't until the the early two thousands that China, actually it was before that. I think it was the eighties when uh, Zheng Jiaoping, the the chairman who came after Mao. Yeah. Um, said, we need to preserve this. Well, and I think some regions had here and there over the years. Right. It wasn't like the whole country. A lot of folks there. Yeah. Like people. And in fact, I think that same article points out that just regular citizens in their like small village. Right. Some had reverence for the wall and would try and, you know. Patrol it. Patrol it or, or repair it. Yeah. Which has led to some not so great repairs. No, the one that, uh, who again? Brock Landers, Brock Landers. <laughs> points out. She says that um, there's one uh, there's one section of the wall in uh, a province called Jian or a city called Jian. Yeah, where they repaired it with bathroom tiles. Yeah, not the most authentic building material you can use to no. restore the Great Wall, but it does display a complete 
in a lot of cases, change in attitude toward the Great Wall. It was something to be neglected and and um, mocked. Yeah. Now it's something to be preserved. And they've just recently passed laws saying, like, you can't throw raves on the Great Wall of China anymore. Yes. You can't drive on the Great Wall of China, which is apparently a thing. Yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to that, too, later. But uh, you mentioned something that is not true, and we need to really point out that you cannot see it from space. That it is depends. That is the old uh, wives' tales that has really stood the test of time. You know who made that up? Al Gore. Robert Ripley. Oh, really? Yep. What a jerk. He In like some <laughs> 30s comic strip, he's like, he just completely fabricated. Yeah. The Great Wall of China is the only man-made structure you can see from space. It sounds like such a great little factoid. It's great. It's yeah. like a total Ripley, believe it or not, thing, right? Yeah. And um, it wasn't until we got to space in the 50s um, that people were able to say like, no, you can't. You can see it from lower Earth orbit. But that's not outer space, which is what Robert Ripley – I think he actually said you can see it from the moon. Yeah. And so that's when we found out for sure that you can't. Right. Um, I think they had the guys on the moon say, can you can you see the Great Wall? And they're like, no, not at all. Yeah, they like said you'd be able to see every highway if you could see the Great Wall. Right. So from lower Earth orbit, you can see the Great Wall depending on the conditions. Because, again, a lot of it's made of, like, earth and clay and stuff from around it. I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. But, like, when it snows or something, you can kind of see some of it. But you can also see the pyramids, too, so big whoop. Yeah, and you know what? I was just thinking, I was giving uh, Robert Ripley a hard time, but he he didn't say, believe it. He said, believe it or don't. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Up to you. Good point, Chuck. Uh, and then lastly, this sounds like an urban legend to me because I don't know any Chinese people. Um, anyone in China who can verify or deny this, please let us know. But from what I understand, the Chinese did not believe that you couldn't see the Great Wall from space until their own astronaut, the first Chinese astronaut, I don't oh, remember right. his name, went into orbit in, I think, 2003 and said, no, you can't. And that, and that was a collective... Man. Billion strong. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Great Wall, like you said, was built in uh, pieces over a couple of thousand years, um, starting with, they believe, the Western Han Dynasty, um, all the way back in 206 BC to AD 24. Uh, they were followed by the Northern uh, Wei Dynasty, the Northern Qi Dynasty, the uh, Sui? Sui? <laughs> I think Sui. Sui Dynasty. Or Sui? Uh, no, it's Sui. Sui? Sui yeah. Dynasty, the Liao Dynasty, the Jin Dynasty, and finally, that was all pre-Ming, and it was just a series of um, not-so-great walls <laughs> uh, before the Ming Dynasty to keep out uh, invaders, and, and yeah. largely invaders from the, the north. Yeah, and remember in our um, Terracotta Army episode, we talked a lot about... Um, Chisha Wang. Yeah. Chisha Wang, I think was his name. Yeah, nice job. Um, and he's the guy who unified these six separate states into China. Yes. The China we, or most of the China we, we know today. Um, and even before him, there were these walls in these six states to keep one another out. Yeah. So there was like this early, like these proto walls, but, uh, Chisha Wang, I'm saying it like eight different ways. 
<laughs> um, Emperor Chi, we'll call him, uh, he was the first one to say, like, we should connect some of these walls and make sure. a great wall. Yeah. And I think that was the initial beginning. And the whole reason was he wanted to keep the Huns out. Yeah, the Huns were not nice. Um, they were fierce and feared and really great at two things. Um, one is riding horses and two is shooting, shooting arrows. Yeah, and doing them at the same time. Yeah, because they were not agricultural, so they did a lot of hunting. Yeah. And uh, that's why they were so good at, at archery. Yeah. And uh, they were to be feared and did a great job at wreaking havoc throughout Asia. Um, so the wall was definitely necessary. Uh, and it worked pretty well yeah. for a while. I mean, like the the Emperor Qi and his dynasty were not like milk toasts themselves. No, no. The Huns were enough of a threat that they're like, we just need to build a huge wall to keep yeah. these dudes out. <laughs> I don't want them hanging out anymore. Yeah. Uh, it was built by basically three groups. Um, soldiers were about the second largest contributor. Uh, commoners was was the leading contributor. And then criminals. Uh, back in the day when you would get in trouble, you would be sentenced to four years on the wall. Huh. Uh, you would guard it during the day and you would build it at night. Wow, when did you sleep? In the afternoon? <laughs> I don't know. Like That's a good point. In the evening? That's why they call it hard labor, my friend. Yeah, that is hard labor. And apparently thousands, thousands and thousands. I didn't see any hard numbers, did you? I saw up to a million, but that just sounds one of those. Died? Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess if you think about it, it's over 2,000 years. Yeah. It's possible. It I is guess. possible. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the... Bodies and bones are still in that wall uh, at one point that was referred to as the longest cemetery in the world. Wow, that's neat. Yeah. Well, not really. Haunting. Yeah. That's what I mean by I know me. what you mean by me. You know me. <laughs> so um, not every single dynasty came along and said, oh, well, let's do our bit to add to the Great Wall of China, because in 2007, it will become one of the seven wonders of the modern world, and we want to be a part of that. Yes. Some dynasties... Um, had it seemed to it seemed to all rest in the motivation, like how much of a threat was coming from the north, because the thing runs from east to west, yeah, from the Gobi Desert to the Yellow Sea, I believe, right? Yes, and um, so how much of a problem you had from the barbarians to the north, to how much um, fighting from uh, like within the different cities? Because remember, it's not just one unbroken east to west wall, right? There's like different areas that are blocked off by the wall. So some dynasties had more problems than others, and it seemed like if you were <clears throat> really having a lot of trouble with outsiders, you would spend a lot of your resources to building the wall or enlarging it or going back and and rebuilding some earlier stuff. Sure, and a lot of them did, but it's like you said about. A little over half of the wall was completed by all these other dynasties, and then the rest was from the Ming dynasty. They just went crazy on that thing. Uh, yeah, and you know what? Let's take a break here, and we'll really get into the Ming dynasty right after this. We'll go crazy on that. All right, here we are in 1368. The Ming Dynasty is in action, and they are killing it on the Great Wall. Um, they are not just building a wall. Sometimes they are building two walls and three walls to confuse uh, people trying to enter. Uh, I don't know how it's confusing and frustrating. But well, not- you would, well, yeah, good point. I would just think, yeah, you climb over the wall and you're like, ugh, there's another wall. Right, but I wouldn't think like, 
a whoa, did I just climb into the wall that I just climbed? Like, how does like, which this- side am I on? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Just turn around and solve that conundrum. Well, maybe in uh, in 14th century China, it was a little more confusing than maybe. it is today. Maybe. <laughs> uh, they built it higher and wider than ever before, and um, did a bunch of other things to the wall, specifically uh, guard towers and... Uh, places to um, put military supplies, bunkers, yeah. things like that, lights. Yes, which is a big one. They apparently, and I think we're going back to Brock Landers, Brooke Larmer. Um, she says that at one point, thanks to using either smoke or fire, smoke during the day um, and fire at night, they could tra- They could send messages all up and down the wall. Oh, I'm sure. At something like 26 miles an hour. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, that's like... Broadband internet of the day. Yeah. Um, and it was all because the Ming came in and started, they put up guard posts. And apparently the Ming also were very progressive <clears throat> and had a big problem with desertion. But they said, well, you know what? How about this? If you have to man this guard post for years at a time, mm-hmm. bring your family. And as a matter of fact, if you do a really good job, we'll name this guard post after your family. Oh, really? And there's still plenty of guard posts today nice. that bear the family names of the people who live in the region. And didn't sell out uh, their own people. Yeah, well, that was a big thing. Because if you put people on a wall, you definitely open yourself up for people to let people you don't want in yeah. through the wall if they give them money. Exactly. And that's what happened, too. Um the uh The wall worked pretty great until the 17th century and finally... Uh, the Manchu invaded successfully into China, uh, brought down the Ming Dynasty, and they said, yeah, this wall kind of stinks. Uh, we, we got through it just <laughs> right. fine, so why put forth a lot more effort into this thing? And from that point forward, construction on it pretty much stopped. Yeah, and starting in 1644, they yeah, made it through crazy. the wall, and that was that. That was that. So... um for the next few hundred years, I believe the um, the Manchu they set up the Qing, the Qing, Qing dynasty, right? Okay. Um, and so for this time, I think it went up to like 1913 or something like that. There, there was this, that that definitely uh, is where the roots of scorn toward the wall was set up. Yeah. The people, the ruling class, had made it through this wall. It had been set up to keep them out. It hadn't. So. Pfft, this wall's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Is basically the prevailing sentiment in China. And then when Chairman Mao came into power, um, he was all about the Cultural Revolution. Now looking backward, going forward, right? Yes. And so, what better way to get rid of the past and the backwards history of China, uh, but then to literally disassemble the wall, this yeah. huge symbol of old China? Yeah. So he called. Uh, he was the founding father of the. People's Republic of China, and he basically said, all the way up until like the 1950s, you want to build a house? I know where you can get some brick. Yeah, it's just outside your front door, and uh, go go take what you need. And that was responsible for a large part of the early uh, non-natural erosion of the wall. Right, people just taking it yeah, apart, pretty much. Um, there's also zero protection of the wall. Not only was it um, being disassembled, but nobody was really trying to safeguard it at all. So cattle would be moved across it. Sure. Um, They'd be allowed to graze right up on it. Um, There would be natural stuff, too, like the freeze 
thaw cycle is yeah. really hard on mortar joints, right? Yeah, and just exposure to the elements, period, over it, that long right. is going to damage it. And then also, like, if people are cutting down trees for firewood that of stuff that's holding the soil in place along the wall, when that tree goes, the soil loosens too. When the soil loosens beneath it, the wall topples itself. So when you factor in the human element and the uh, the lack of, uh, well, I guess, government encouragement of disassembling the wall, mm-hmm. and then the natural elements, too, you've got a, a wall that's in serious, serious disrepair, especially considering some of this stuff is like almost 2,000 years old by now. Yeah, this one uh, article, uh, I think it was from the Smithsonian again, talked about the desertification, which we had a great podcast on desertification. Yeah. Um and, and apparently in Ning, Ningjia, XIA, I'm so bad with the Chinese words. Uh, well, hold on. Let me I see try. if I can figure this out. <laughs> I'm going to go with Ningjia for now. Stop me if you... Uh, XIA, right? Uh-huh. Um, but desertification is a big problem there because, and this is super interesting, when they constructed the wall in this part of the country, uh, policy was burn down all the trees and all the grass within 60 miles on the other side of the wall, the bad side. Uh, and then on our inside, we're, let's clear the land to farm. Right. All great ideas, right? Yeah. But what happens is, um, it's a, an environmental disaster is what, uh, is what modern, uh, what geologists? Geographers. Geographers? Sandographers. <laughs> Sand people. Uh, <laughs> it's what the Tuscan Raiders, they say it's an envi- uh, environmental disaster. So basically, uh, the northern desert in China is expanding at, uh, one million acres a year at this point. Yeah. And the Great Wall is right in the middle of that path. And what happens is sand dunes will just completely cover it up in places. Or uh, remember we talked about flash flooding mm-hmm. being a big problem. Yeah. And, and desertification. And that's g- going to crumble the base. It just erodes it. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, that whole area because of desertification is losing its wall. I remember that from our desertification episode that the Gobi Desert is just growing immensely yeah. every year. Is it Ningxia? Did you get an answer on that? It is. Xia. You did it. Xia? It is. That's it. Ningxia? That's you, man. <laughs> you have a, a side career in Chinese pronunciation, oh, I believe. I don't, I don't know about that. Um, <clears throat> all right, let's take another break, and we'll talk about tourism and then uh, some of the uh, new efforts to preserve the wall. Stuff you should So, Chuck, we were talking about how, like, the human element is huge on deteriorating the Great Wall of China. Yeah. Um, and not only is it people using bricks for their homes, which you can, you can hardly blame a subsistence farmer for that kind of thing, especially apparently in the more remote areas, they're, they, they have no... Um, no fondness for the wall. Sure. They don't care about it. They don't know that much about it. And a lot of times, and especially in the remote areas, these are where like the wall's most dilapidated. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, why wouldn't I grab this brick and make a house that I need? Yeah. Um, or should I, should I contribute to the preservation of the wall? You tell me, guy from Beijing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so those areas in the, or the parts of the wall in the more rural areas are under the most threat for sure. But that the stuff in the very highly trafficked areas, thanks to tourists, are equally under threat um, because people 
still just take bricks, but a yeah. lot of times it's foreign tourists taking bricks for souvenirs. That's right. Either that or they're um, carving things into the wall, and every time you carve something into the wall, you're chipping away at it, of course. Uh, there are souvenir shops and cable cars and... Sky cars. Businesses and restaurants and billboards and uh, all kinds of things uh, scattered along the most uh, populated parts of the wall. Yeah, like right up on it. Yeah, you never see those in pictures. People driving their cars on the Great Wall of China. Having raves, like you talked about earlier. Yeah, it sounds like a cartoon. And apparently like the raves were outlawed, but I saw online that they still had one in 2015, and it looked lame. Oh, really? I think they had 2,000 people, which is not enough, apparently, because they like there was a shot in this the trailer for this rave mm-hmm. of people just sitting there with like their hands on their or their chins on their hands, like looking bored. You mean it wasn't one of those super awesome raves? Right. <laughs> it was a lame rave. I was too old for raves, thankfully. That was right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, that makes sense. I uh, I lived over on the um, west side of Atlanta in. Uh, the, uh, right at the turn of the millennium, uh-huh. uh, and those big warehouses, and you know the big oh, tower yeah. there. Sure. Um, Which in, tower? In, in the West End. If you drive in the West End, there's a big blue tower that sticks up. Okay. And that tower, someone lived there, and they would have raves on the weekend. <laughs> really? And people, and, dude, people would drive from like Tennessee and Alabama oh, yeah, to yeah. go to these things for like a good rave. Yeah, and we would sit around and make fun of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually went in one time. What did you think? Not my scene. You're like, I'm going to live forever. <laughs> Not my scene at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, my pants did not taper out to like two feet at the bottom. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, it was interesting. Yeah. It's a culture I wasn't familiar with. I'm glad you went and exposed yourself. Yeah. Well, I didn't expose you myself. You exposed yourself. <laughs> Check this out, ravers. Here's oh your God. God. I thought I was an old man back then. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, in 2000, that was yeah. 15-ish years ago. Yeah, it was like 30. Yeah. That's not old. No. I can, I'm here to tell you. Like, if I went to a rave today, people would <laughs> yeah. they would call security. would be like, who's the narc? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> where were we? Oh, yeah. The erosion of the wall. There's a lot of estimates, but um, I've seen everything from a third of it to half of it is gone. Yeah. And um, it's it's probably hard to tell because... The same reason it's hard to measure. It's just so big. Yeah, and a lot of it, it's like, well, is that river part of it? Do we count that? Who knows? Yeah, good point. Um, but yeah, it is in big trouble, and there are some parts of it that are gone forever. Um, in addition to tourists and raves and people driving cars and driving their cattle across the, the um, wall, construction companies will build roads right through it. Yeah, or just a big factory or something right up on it. Yeah. So finally... China said, uh, and again, it was Deng Xiaoping, who I love that guy's name. It's a wonderful name. Yeah. Um, he said, uh, love China, preserve the wall. He nice. came up with a slogan, I think 1985. Got to start with the slogan. It really, yeah. Slogans work. Yeah. This is proof positive of it. And within 15, 20 years, the Chinese government, well, I guess provincial governments were starting to enact their own laws, restricting what you could or couldn't do on the wall, with the wall, to the wall, right? Yeah. And then finally, and I think 2008-ish, maybe 2007, um, the Chinese government, the the federal government itself said, um, okay, we've, we're going to come up with our own walls or our own laws yeah. regarding the wall. wall and they walls. started to take it seriously. And um, 
part, uh, depending on who you talk to, it is because it's a huge tourist attraction that brings in 10 million people and all their money every year. Sure. Got to protect that. Or because it's part of China's heritage and it shows like we're an ancient culture that could do this with our eyes closed. Just watch us in the 21st century. Right. Chinese fever. Catch it. Right. You know, that kind of thing. Well, how about it's both? Probably. Probably. Uh, but there are some real laws in place. Um, now it is uh, illegal to take any bricks um, or to do things like build too close to it. Uh, I think within any building within 1,600 feet, 500 meters, um, is not allowed anymore, I don't think. Um, gathering firewood, hurting your animals. So here's, I have to stop you. Do you have any idea, what's, what's the gathering firewood thing? Is that chopping down a tree? I, I don't know. I couldn't find that anywhere like else Like why that's internet. a big deal? Yeah. I could not find it anywhere else. It's, yeah. So it has to just be chopping down a tree that leads to erosion. That's the only thing I can come up with. Yeah. Okay. That that. I didn't know if you'd come across it. something. No, I just keep saying it. Taking firewood, don't do it near the wall. <laughs> Gathering firewood, isn't that like a quaint, folksy thing to think about? Oh, sure. Gathering firewood. That's it, the first thing you do when you go camping. Yeah, gathering firewood. Yeah. And um, it's almost like, it sounds beautiful, too, like cellar door. Gathering firewood. Agreed. It is very relaxing. Unless you're in a survival situation. <laughs> then you're... <laughs> That's a matter of life or death. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but the laws are punishable... Um, Institutions up to $62,500 for individuals, $6,250. See what they did there? Yeah. Divided by 10. Uh-huh. Uh, but apparently from the Smithsonian article, they said that uh, these laws are great, but it's just really hard to enforce this. Again, because the Great Wall is so huge. Yeah. You can get away with doing a lot to it without anyone around yeah. to see you. But I would imagine in the metropolitan areas, it's a little easier to enforce. Yeah. Like some yokel from uh, from Kansas taking some bricks. Yeah. You know? They take bricks everywhere they go, <laughs> they, don't they? Kansasans? Yeah. Kansans? Kansanianites. Yeah. Kansanianites. <laughs> uh, let's see. You want to get Kristen Conger in here as promised? Yeah, I got no more facts. So you, I don't either. I think that's a great idea. Um, I do want to shout out again to this awesome Smithsonian article from way back in 2008. The Great Wall of China is under siege by Brooke Larmer. Um, go check it out. Uh, and uh, hold tight, and we'll go get uh, Conger. All right, as promised, we have Kong's Kristen Conger from uh, Stuff Mom Never Told You, and she has, as I said in the podcast, walked the Great Wall, but not all of it. Not all of it. A very small portion of the Great Wall of China I have walked. So we we learned recently that it's 20,000 kilometers long. Did you know that? They like did a survey of it and found it's way longer than they thought. Yeah, it's massive. And it's stunning to climb it because uh, since the geography is so sparse around it, you really can just see it snaking as far as the eye can see. That's awesome. What part did you go to? The part um, outside of Beijing, I think it's one of the main tourist destination, like entrance spaces for the Great Wall. Did you take a brick or drive your car on it or have a, go to a rave? Because those are illegal now. I mean, I did all of those things. I didn't. Who doesn't go to a rave on the Great Wall? Uh, 
No, you didn't do any of those things. You're kidding. No, me. I didn't. Of no, course. I didn't. I was I was struggling. So I went in December, and it was very very cold. Um, so there was the the weather to deal with, and also just the sheer steepness of trying to to scale this thing. It's not. There were two ways we could go. To the left was the more arduous path, and to the right was the the little tourist friendlier path. And my fiance and I were like, we're going to the left. The road not taken. Yes. So how do you actually, this is probably a dumb question, how do you actually access it? Like, are there steps and entry points, I guess? Yeah, so we pulled up to, uh, it was almost like a theme park entrance. Like they have a gate and a temple there and you get like an admission ticket. And then they have bridges built to access the wall. So being there, when you finally saw it in person, what impressions that you had of it before were just totally destroyed? Or was it exactly like you thought it would be? It was surreal being on it. I mean, because I think a lot of times you see the aerial photographs of the Great Wall. So we have this uh, bird's eye perspective on it. But once you're on the wall, I never considered how steep the stairs were, how um, the incline is also so steep. There were a couple of times when climbing up, I was literally on my hands and knees wow. getting up. But I also have a terrible fear of heights. Didn't know that that would be an issue, yeah. but it was. And you have winds kicking up because you're kind of on the side of a mountain. Um, and then coming down, having to kind of do the, the butt scoot down a few stairs. Wow. Are you serious? Yeah. Holy cow. And I'm pretty fit, not to brag. How, how high up were you, like, at the highest point? Like, if you, if you had... F- fallen or jumped off the side how how far would you have dropped i would have messed myself up big time when we, <laughs> is, so like, is that the scientific yeah, answer so. yeah i can't tell you altitude or anything so earlier too uh in the office you were saying that they like pipe music out and stuff like that yeah so um at pretty regular intervals along the wall they have these lookout towers and i think some of which were actually housing for people who were building the wall and guarding the wall. And the Chinese government has now installed these lovely speakers that pipe like traditional Chinese music along the wall. So you you have a little soundtrack to guide you along your way. Did it add to it or detract? It added to it in a way because it was just such a bizarre experience. And we were also surrounded by so many other Chinese tourists as well who were coming to the wall for the very first time. So you're sharing this experience with people, mm-hmm. you know, who you, you know, can't verbally communicate with, but you're all kind of taking in this one site together. Were you guys all making the, can you believe this wow face? We kind were of thing? all agog. Yeah. So, um, was the general impression like this is the Dollywood of China? Or did it seem like reverent and like people have died here and that kind of vibe? It was reverent. Aside from all the cigarette butts on the stairs, that was a funny thing. There was an older gentleman who passed me as I was in my crawling face, smoking a smoke, heading on up. Um, So there was a little bit of trash, but it was very clear that you needed to otherwise like respect the space. There were actually a couple in my group who were huge sports fans, I want to say of the Seahawks, and they were in all of their gear and they wanted to take a photo of them with their Seahawks flag. Oh, and brother. that got shut down very quickly. Oh really? Oh yeah. So they ha- they have people there minding the the activity? Oh yeah. If you're at a Chinese tourist attraction, people are watching you. There is nothing wrong with Dollywood, by the way. <laughs> I want to put that on the record. 
It is a great place. And Conger, uh, something very special happened to you on the Great Wall as well, correct? Aside from scooting down on your, on your fanny. <laughs> Aside from an exotic fanny scoot, yes. And to our English friends here in America, that means butt. Right. Don't get all weird. Uh, so what, what happened? Tell us about your other experience. My fiance proposed to me. So we climbed to the very, the, the, to the highest point we could. And we were looking out this lovely guard tower, I suppose. And the music hadn't, the music would play in intervals. So we were in kind of a quiet lull. And I was just like looking out. And then I turn around and he was on one knee. And at that moment, as he was proposing, the music swelled awesome. yet again. That's and it awesome. was amazing. And all of these Chinese tourists were up there freaking out, like so many cell phone photos. And the, the Seahawks people were like, whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Just throwing footballs at us. Uh, that is totally awesome. I imagine not a lot of people uh, get engaged on the, well, probably a lot of people, but I don't know anyone that's got engaged on the I don't think anyone but me, Chuck. <laughs> I think it's a very exclusive experience. Uh, and then one other thing you, you mentioned, you alluded to somebody almost not coming down. Was that you or was there somebody else who almost fell off? No, that was a guy named Barry who was part of my tour group. And he was very ambitious and determined to <laughs> climb as far as he could. But we had to leave at a certain time. And he got stuck for a little while and no one knew Barry was going to make it down. But Barry was never heard from again? Barry finally made it, but he had to take a cab. It took him so long to get down. He had to take a cab rather than the tour bus to the lunch restaurant, but then just spent lunch complaining about how much the cab cost. Barry strikes me as one of these guys who would be like, you guys missed out, man. You you didn't see what I saw. Bingo. Kristen, do you have anything else to share? Go to China. It was amazing. I'm serious. Like, go to Beijing, see everything. It's incredible. Cool. And if you can get engaged on the Great Wall, it's a good story. Nice. Um, that is good advice all around, Kristen. Thank you. Tell everybody how to get in touch with you uh, with Stuff Mom Never Told You. Well, you can simply head over to StuffMomNeverToldYou.com. And everything's right there. Podcasts, mm-hmm. videos, mm-hmm. social media. Nice. Blogs, right there, where again? StuffMomNeverToldYou.com. Wow. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Good thinking Dragon Conger in here. Boy, Barry. <laughs> he got that stuck guy. in your craw, didn't he? <laughs> I know that guy, man. There's one in every group. Um, uh, Let's see. What Did we say if you want to know more about the Great Wall of China? I think you just did. Oh, okay. Well, if you want to know more about the Great Wall of China, you can uh, look those words up on the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And um, since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this pretty serious stuff. Uh, hello, Josh, Chuck, and Jerry. Just wanted to give you, uh, you all a sincere thank you. I'm sure you're aware of the appreciation we listeners have for the podcast. However, I hope you understand the extent of it. About one year ago, I was suffering from a very deep depression and tried to commit suicide. Uh, for obvious reasons, we all know I was not successful. And she puts a little wink in there. I appreciated that um, extra point. Agreed. In the attempt to gain focus in my life, I started an old hobby of running to summon what passions I used to have. And that is where Stuff You Should Know kicked in. Uh, I started tuning into the show uh, and forgot how deeply passionate I was about the world around me. Listening to the banter and filing away new information from the podcast really helped those long workouts. I can say now, with my anniversary coming up, I'm in a much better place 
I finished my degree in animation, and uh, I'm working towards new goals. Uh, and you guys really helped out in that little unique way, and I'm forever thankful. Have a wonderful evening. That is so wonderful. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Man. Uh, and I think name redacted on that. Thank you, dear listener. We appreciate you for letting us know that. We're glad we could be part of the the whole jam, the whole road to recovery. Man, glad unbelievable. Glad you're doing better. Uh, if you want to let us know how we have been a part of your life, for good or for ill, probably preferably for good. Sure. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 